John Pidcock is a noodler. How many of you know what a noodler is? Okay, it is not somebody who eats pasta, all right? So John Pitcock is a noodler. It means he's a fisherman, a catfish fisherman. And when you're fishing for catfish, you don't use rod and reel. You use your bare hand. So here's, here's how it goes. You, you find a murky catfish hole in shallow water. You dive beneath the water, and you stick out your hand, hoping to provoke a catfish that will then bite your fingers. I'm not making this up. Okay, we're not talking about extremely bright people here. All right? <laughs> So then when he latches onto your hand, you resurface and you got yourself a fish. So John Pitcock says the biggest fish he's ever caught was 48 pounds, broke one of his fingers. How about that? He would still be at the bottom of the, uh, the Deep Fork River had it not been for two buddies of his who were holding onto his legs and at the given signal, they pulled him out, catfish attached. I'm not making this up. And he said, he said, this is a, an exhilarating experience. It, it's an adrenaline rush to have a catfish bite you is the most gratifying thing you could ever experience. <laughs> All right. Well, as we open our Bibles today, we're, we're going to be invited to go fishing. It's going to be a gratifying experience, an adrenaline rush fishing. It's not stupid fishing, though, like noodling for catfish. Okay, the kind of fishing... Uh, we're going to be invited to experience is described in Matthew chapter 4. So I hope you brought a Bible with you. Turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 4 in the second half of your, your Bible called the New Testament. And as you're turning, let me give you some historical background, what we call context, big C, context here. Okay, th this event that we're going to read about it, it took place in the first century, and it took place along, alongside the Sea of Galilee. Okay, the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is not actually a saltwater sea. It's a freshwater lake. And it's a place where Jesus loved to hang out. It's about 12 and a half miles long. It's about 8 and a half miles wide. So it's not a particularly big lake. But Jesus loved to go there and hang out. It's also one of my favorite hangout places when we go to, uh, to Israel. Sue and I have been four times. And every time, I think Sea of Galilee is like our favorite location. Part of the reason is there's a lot of commercialization that's going on in the, in the Holy Land. And so everywhere you go, they build these shrines and they kind of ruin some of the, you know, the historical feel. But you go to the Sea of Galilee, they couldn't build any shrines on water, right? So it feels like it must have felt when Jesus walked alongside the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, just a side note here. Uh, we're going to take another group of Christ Community Church folks, 45 to 50 people, this coming April. So not too far away, and we still have four openings. So if you're interested, next weekend in the program, keep your eyes open in the written program, the weekly welcome, you'll find additional information about how to, uh, how to sign up for that. So the Sea of Galilee is an ideal place for fishing. It's because the Jordan River runs into it from the north and then out of it from the south, and it creates a condition known as sweet water. Fish love sweet water. There are over 25 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee. And in Jesus' day, all around the circumference of the Sea of Galilee, this, this freshwater lake, there were fishing villages. So fishing was a big business back in Jesus' day. Let's pick it up. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 18 says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Now, there's a word in verse 19 that I want you to circle in your Bible. So this is why I encourage you to bring your own Bible so you can mark it up as we go. I want you to circle the word come. Okay, come. We're in the second week of a three-part series called RSVP. RSVP, Responding to Jesus' Invitations. And we learned last weekend when we launched the series that if you go through the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll discover that come is one of his favorite words, C-O-M-E. It's an invitational word. Jesus frequently reached out and invited people to come and experience some adventure with him. So what, what is it that Jesus invites us to come and experience in verse 19? Let me read it to you again. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Okay, I will send you out to fish for people. Fish for, what does it mean to fish for people? Well, it helps to keep in mind that in Jesus' day, you didn't use rod and reel for fishing. You used a net. And the objective was to gather fish into your net and, and pull them into the boat. So as Jesus talks about fishing here, he's not talking about fishing for fish. He's talking about fishing for people. And he's not talking about gathering them into a boat. He's talking about, listen, he's talking about gathering them into a relationship with God. Gathering people into a relationship with God, a relationship that will change their life in the present world, transform them, a relationship with God that will alter their eternal destiny, eternal life with God in heaven. Okay, so that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about fishing for people. Have you ever been fishing for people? Because I've got to tell you, it's more gratifying, it's, it's more adrenaline rush-oriented than catfish noodling, and it's an adventure that Jesus invites every one of his followers to participate in. He says, come, follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. Now, you don't even need to be a follower of Jesus to fish for people. In fact, I see this happen all the time at Christ Community Church. You know, somebody starts coming to the church, they're not yet a convinced Christ follower, but they're listening, and as they listen, God begins to do something in their life. So they start telling their friends, they start telling their loved ones, they tell people at work or people at school, you got to come to church with me, check this out. I mean, I'm learning so much about God, it's beginning to change my life. See, that's fishing for people. Fishing for people is gathering people we know into a relationship with God that will change their life here and now and forever. People fishing. We sometimes refer to it as reaching, reaching out to friends, family members, schoolmates, and so on to gather them into a relationship with God, which is why I've called today's ser sermon, Come and Reach. Come and Reach. So here are three important aspects of reaching from today's story in Matthew 4. If you haven't taken your outline out yet, I would encourage you to do that and jot these down as we go. Reaching, number one, it's all about people. Okay, it's all about people. Now, as I was reading today's scripture text this past week, studying it, uh, you know, I remember the first few times I'd read this passage and how strange some of it sounded to me. Okay, now stay with me for a, for a minute. There's something really odd, and I, I don't know if it struck you when I read it to you a few moments ago. 
But here's Jesus walking alongside the, the Sea of Galilee. He runs into some fishermen he's never met before. He says, follow me. They drop everything and begin to follow him. Is that strange to you? Okay. First time I read it, I thought to myself, this is like Jedi mind control, right? <laughs> Remember that from, from Star Wars? If you're a Jedi warrior, you have the ability to kind of impose your thoughts on others and they, they think what you want them to think. So Obi-Wan Kenobi says to the bad guys, the, the stormtroopers, these are not the droids you're looking for. And they say, these are not the droids we're looking for. And they let him pass. Is, is this, is, am I going too fast? Okay. <laughs> so is that, is that what happens here? I mean, this is, this is kind of crazy. Jesus walks alongside the Sea of Galilee, sees people he's never met before, says, follow me, and they go, we'll follow you. <laughs> and, and they do it immediately. They do it without a second thought. Notice a couple of phrases. Verse 20 begins, at once they left their nets. At once. Drop down to verse 22. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So, so he says, follow me. Guys, he's never met before. And they drop their job. They leave behind their most prized possessions, which would have been their boat and their nets, and they even leave dad standing on the seashore looking, you know, there they go, there go the boys. What is, is this Jedi mind control? Well, fortunately, we have not only the, uh, the Gospel of Matthew to look at to get a history of Jesus' biography, but we've got some other Gospels as well. And, and they say some interesting things that give us some backfill for this story. For example, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, we learned that Jesus didn't meet these fishermen for the first time by the Sea of Galilee. He had met them sometime earlier. They had a friendship, a relationship already. John tells us that these fishermen had an interest in spiritual matters. And so they had begun to follow this guy named John the Baptist, a local preacher. And they were listening to John teach about things of God. And one day, Jesus goes walking by. John the Baptist points at Jesus, and he says, See that guy? That's the guy you want to follow. God sent him into the world to be the ultimate sacrifice that will take away the sins of the world. You know, check him out. And so that's what the fishermen did. They began to follow Jesus. They began to listen to Jesus' teaching. And so when Jesus arrives on the Sea of Galilee, they, they've heard everything he's got to say. They, they know what it means to fish for people. They know the commitment, the cost that Jesus is calling them to. This is, this is not people he's run into for the first time. You know, Luke's gospel tells us even more about Jesus' invitation here. Luke describes an incredible event that took place just before, just before Jesus said, come follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people. Now, I'm going to give you the, the details of this event in a little bit for for now, let me just say it was a little miracle that Jesus did for Peter and his fishing buddies. Okay, they had come in from a long night of fishing, having caught nothing. And Jesus says, throw your nets into the water one more time, see what happens. And they pull in so many fish that two boats can't contain all the fish they catch. And it was after, now hear me, it was after this event it was after these guys had had the biggest, biggest success of their fishing career that Jesus says to them, okay, guys, you've experienced the thrill of fishing. You want to continue fishing for fish? Or, or are you willing to take a look at fishing for people? Now, what's the point of all this historical context I'm giving you? The, the, the point is this. Jesus' invitation to fish for fish people was not some spontaneous off-the-cuff willy-nilly hey dudes let's try something new 
No, no, these guys knew exactly what they were getting into. Jesus had convinced them that fishing for people was the most important thing they could do, do with their lives. It was even more important than their business of fishing for fish. And, and, and by the way, a lot of people, you'll hear people say, you know, when they describe the disciples, they'll describe them as uh, relatively young, poor, uneducated guys. Not true. Read the gospel accounts. Before they followed Jesus, their fishing was a business. They had multiple boats. They had business partners. They had hired employees. So, so when Jesus said, you want to give all this up and start fishing for people, they knew they had a huge choice to make. This choice was a big deal. And the reason it was a big deal is because it was all about people. And people are a big deal. It was all about people, and people are a big deal. You know, I, I love what C.S. Lewis, a famous author and atheist turned Christ follower, what, what he writes about people. Lewis writes, there are no ordinary people. There are no ordinary. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals, immortals with whom we joke, work with, marry, snub, potential everlasting splendors. People are immortals. The person sitting next to you right now is an immortal. People have eternal value. That's why, not, listen, nothing in our lives is as valuable as gathering people into a relationship with God that will transform their here and now as well as their eternal destiny in the world to come. Nothing is more important. Do you believe that? Okay, do, do we believe that fishing for people, reaching people, is the most important thing we could possibly engage in? More important than acing the math test this week. More important than your son getting a starting spot on the, the football team. More important than a date for Friday night or getting new tires for your car. You know, more, more important than landing a new customer or firming up your abs in a Pilates class. More important than enrolling your daughter in ballet or trying out the new restaurant in town. Nothing compares with people fishing. Nothing, because it's all about people. It's all about people. You get it? Good. Such a basic truth. I had someone say to me between services, they said, you know, when you said that, that people are the most valuable thing in our lives, it, it struck me. It's true, and I forget it. It's true. Number two, it's all about proximity. It's all about proximity. Go back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 again. I want to draw your attention to how Jesus opens his invitation to join him in people fishing. So, come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, circle the word follow in verse 19 in your Bible. And let's keep reading. Verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. Circle the word follow. Drop down to verse 22. And immediately they left their boat and their father and, say it, followed him. Once again, circle that word followed. Uh, this is obviously the most important uh, ver uh, word rather in the passage. And it's a critical activity for every Christ follower to engage in. Now, unfortunately... Uh, in our world, you know, thanks to Twitter and 
Instagram and Facebook, uh, the, the whole notion of following has sort of lost its significance. So you can follow someone today on social media and barely know them. You know, you, you can follow somebody today on social media and rarely spend any time with them. Their, their life can have zero impact on your life. But if you followed, if you followed somebody in Jesus' day, it meant that you were being mentored by that person. You, you were being trained to become just like them, to do exactly what they did. So, so obviously this necessitated spending a lot of time together, which is why I'm calling this proximity. Proximity. Friends, the more time you and I spend with Jesus every day, okay, the more time you and I spend in his book, the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend uh, involved in some ministry on his behalf, the, the more time we spend hanging out with other Christ followers, the, the, the closer the proximity we experience to Jesus, the more we're going to pick up his traits. His life is going to have impact on us. We're going to start doing what he did. What did he do? He went people fishing. So it's impossible to get close to Jesus without becoming a fisher of people. In fact, I would dare say that if you're not yet a fisher of people, if you're not engaging in it, you may not be as close to Jesus as you think you are. Because if you hang close to Jesus, this activity of fishing for people is going to rub off on you. You're going to find your st yourself starting to do it. You're going to fish for people. Now, there are three things in, in particular about Jesus that he's going to pass on to you if, if you hang out with him. So, so let me give them to you three Ps, okay? I got hung up on Ps this week. Don't know why that was. All my main points are Ps. Subpoints are Ps. I don't even know why, why I'm telling you this right now. But you know, first, first P I want to tell you about is passion. You hang out with Jesus and you'll become passionate about people fishing. Anybody here passionate about fishing, just regular old fishing? Any fisher people here? Okay, you're sitting next to someone who loves to fish. My father-in-law loved to fish. Uh, he's in a nursing home now, but back in the day, he would occasionally invite me to go fishing with him. And he was crazy when he got out on the water. He just wanted to fish all day till there were no fish left to catch. So I'll never forget a time when we were fishing for perch on Lake Erie, and they were biting. Okay, and so we fished, and we fished, and he had a 16-foot boat, not a terribly big boat. And if you've never been on Lake Erie, Lake Erie's relatively shallow, and so it, it gets choppy. And we're like a mile or two out. We can't even see the shore anymore. All right, and this boat is just going up and down, up and down, up and down, and I'm getting seasick. Only time in my life I've ever been motion sick. I mean, put me on a roller coaster at Great America, no problem. But on this boat with my father-in-law, I knew I had to get in. Okay, I just, so I said to him, I said, Dad, I'm seasick. And he looked at me and he said, well, just keep your eye on the horizon over there. That was it. So I, you know, I tried another approach. I said, Dad, I got to go. He said, over the side of the boat. Okay, I realized there's no reasoning with this man. All right, he was going to fish until every fish was caught. And he, we were fishing with, uh, the bait was minnows, and we had a big bucket of minnows, and I was just praying those minnows would disappear. And so I watched it go down, down, down 20, down 6, down 2, no more minnows, we're out of here. And he looks at me, and he picks up one of the, the perch we caught, and he pulls out a knife, and he says, did you know you could catch perch with perch guts? <laughs> just about lost it. Loved to fish. No getting them in from fishing. Jesus loved 
to fish for people. Just read the gospel accounts. Loved people. Loved reaching out to passionate about people. You know, as a blind beggar on the side of the road named Bartimaeus and Jesus stops and talks to him and heals him. There's a synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus. He's a dad who's all upset because his daughter is deathly ill and Jesus goes with him and heals the daughter. There's a there's a party animal named Matthew, and he starts to follow Jesus and throws a big shindig at his house. All his friends come, and Jesus shows up to talk to his buddies. There's a stuffy religious leader named Nicodemus. Jesus spends a whole evening talking to him about the good news, the good news of the gospel. You know, there, there's, a, there's a crooked businessman by the name of Zacchaeus. Jesus spends a day at his house having a meal with him, and One person after another, even those whose names were not given, the Roman soldier, the child he pulls onto his lap, the woman with the hemorrhage problem that that he heals and talks to. Jesus was passionate about, you hang out with Jesus, you get in proximity to Jesus, it will be impossible for you not to pick up this passion for people fishing. Second T goes with proximity, and that's promptings promptings the prompting of jesus like this is a good situation okay it's a good good situation right now to fish open your mouth let's do it promptings i got a good buddy named tim years ago he was a regular attender here loved to fish and uh, then he moved his job moved him to colorado to a picturesque little town called evergreen which is as beautiful as the name makes it sound and uh, one day I was headed out to Denver for a conference, and so I called Tim, and I said, Tim, you want to hang out for a couple of days? So Tim picks me up at the airport, and in the back of my mind, I'm hoping that this will be a trip on which Tim will teach me how to fly fish. That's kind of my dream. So we get into the car, and we're driving home to Tim's home, and I say, hey, Tim, any chance you could teach me how to fly fish? We're, we're driving down this divided highway. Screech, he pulls over onto the embankment, jumps out of the car, runs back to his trunk, pops the trunk. I get out of the car. I go, bro, what you doing? We're on a highway here. And he's pulling out fishing gear. He's heading down the embankment. There's a river that runs alongside the highway. I said, where are you going? He goes, we're going fishing, fly fishing. I said, dude, this is not what I had in my mind, see? You know, I'm in Colorado. I'm picturing dropping my fly on this sparkling, isolated stream with mountains in the background, like you see in the beer commercials, bro, you know? And he looks at me, and he says, Jim, he says, this is how we do it in Colorado. He says, everybody is ready to fish anytime, anywhere, whenever the urge strikes. That's why we all carry fishing gear in our trunk or in the back of our pickup. Anytime, anywhere, the urge hits and we're all in. I got to tell you, Jesus was always ready to fish for people. It was the disciples who constantly tried to curb that urge. The disciples who frequently said, "Um, you know, Lord, this isn't a good time to engage people. I mean, think of the instances you've heard about in Jesus' life in this regard. Like when the parents, the moms and dads were bringing their children to Jesus, what was the disciples' reaction? You know, no, no, Jesus isn't into hanging with kids. Get them away. And Jesus said, stop it. Let the little children come to me. Or the time when Jesus had this mass of people listening to his teaching all day in the heat and mealtime came and there was no food and his disciples said, time to send them away, send them into town, tell them to go get something to eat. And Jesus said, no, they're not going anywhere. You give them something to eat. See, I, I, I intend to hang with these people. 
You know, or the blind beggar on the side of the road as Jesus is passing through town and he's calling out, Jesus, Jesus. What did his, his disciples do? They went over and told the guy to shut up. Really, they told him, stop it, pipe down. And Jesus walked over and said, what can I do for you? So, so Jesus is constantly, uh, constantly at fishing. If you hang out with Jesus, you're going to get these promptings. You're going to sense this is a moment to reach out and connect with people. You're going to look for ways to work God into your conversations. So when a, a coworker asks you tomorrow morning, Monday morning, you go to work, and what's, what's the most commonly asked question Monday morning? So what would you do over the weekend? You're going to feel this prompting to say, man, I had the most enjoyable time at church. When, you, when you're talking to your neighbor over the backyard fence, you're going to feel a prompting to mention that answer to prayer you just got. Oh, I've been praying about something and God really came through. Yeah, I've got to tell you about this. You're going to invite a classmate to Genesis or house group this week. You're going to feel that prompting. Just invite him to come with you on Wednesday. You're going to tell the barista at your favorite coffee shop about something interesting you, you read in the Bible that day. You're going to offer to pray for the friend who tells you about the rough time they're going through. You're going to put a hand on their shoulder a prompting from Jesus to say, hey, can I pray for you right now? That, that furnace repair guy who comes, you're going to give him a hefty tip along with a God's Good News booklet and say, hey, I think you really like what's in this little booklet. You're going to look for somebody at the health club, even though it interrupts your workout routine. You're going to look for somebody to talk to, hoping that maybe the conversation will get around to God. See, promptings. If we're in close proximity to Jesus, the promptings will come. It's our job to not ignore them. It's our job to say, okay, open our mouths, throw our hat over the fence, and go for it. Passion for people, promptings from Jesus, okay? These are things, if, you, if you're in proximity to him, this is what's going to happen to you. The third thing is you're going to tap into Jesus' power. Now, I mentioned a little earlier that shortly before Jesus invited these fishermen to come follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people, something spectacular had happened, a, a miracle, a fish, a fish story miracle. Okay, only this one really happened, not the ones we sometimes tell, right? Okay. Here, here, here's how it took place. It's recorded in Luke chapter 5. Uh, Jesus is surrounded by a huge crowd on the seashore, Sea of Galilee, and he says to Peter, who was a good friend by this time, Okay? He knew Peter. He said, Peter, let's get in your boat. And let's push off about 10 yards, 20 yards or so. I'm going to use your boat as kind, of as a, kind of a floating platform, and we'll have all the people sit on the, be on the beach, and I'll teach them. And that's what Jesus did. And when he got done teaching, he looked at Peter, and he said, okay, Peter, now push out to deeper water. We're going to throw our net in, and you're going to pull up so many fish, you're not going to know what to do with them. Now, Peter looks at Jesus at this moment like he's just heard the most ridiculous thing in his life. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, we were fishing all night and we caught nothing. You know, in other words, everybody knows there are some days when the fish aren't biting. It's useless. N not only that, this is the middle of the day and everybody knows that you don't fish on the Sea of Galilee in the, middle of, in the heat of the day. In the heat of the day, where are the fish going to be? They're going to be at the bottom of the lake, far away from the reach of your net. Okay, that's why you go fishing at night when they're nearer the surface. So, you know, Peter is just dying to say something like this to Jesus. Listen, Jesus, you're the carpenter, I'm the fisherman, okay? 
So how about we let me do my job? And besides that, Peter doesn't want to be seen out on the Sea of Galilee throwing a net into the water by his buds, by people who know him. They're going to think, Peter has lost it. The guy's gone crazy. But to Peter's credit, he did what Jesus told him to do. And as I described earlier, Peter hauled in so many fish that he had to call for a second boat to come and help him bring in the, the ginormous catch. Now, students of the Bible, they love to debate just how Jesus pulled this miracle off. Okay, did, did he use his supernatural x-ray vision to kind of look beneath the water, see where the fish were, direct Peter over to where that school of fish? Is that, is that how Jesus did it? Or did Jesus use his supernatural ability to herd a fish into a net? You know, maybe that's what's going on here. You know, the, the answer to the debate is, who cares? Jesus did something supernatural. Jesus exercised some power here. Jesus pulled something off that wouldn't have been pulled off had it not been for his power at work. And friends, this is the power that Jesus makes available to people who want to go, go people fishing. His power, before Jesus left the, the planet, after his resurrection, before he ascended to heaven, he gathered his followers around him. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, now, stay right where you are here in Jerusalem until I send you the Holy Spirit. And when you get the Holy Spirit, when he comes to live on the inside, you will have power. You will have power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You, you hang out with Jesus and he will give you power. He will give you power to love people in such a way that they'll be open to your good news. He will give you power to speak up about God even though you say, well, I'm not very good at this and I've never done it before and I'm kind of an introvert, not an extrovert. He'll give you power to speak up. He'll give you power to extend an invitation the 24th time uh, to something at church when the first 23 times you've been turned down. He'll give you power to persevere when you're, when you're ridiculed for your faith at school, at work. People basically say, pipe down, keep that stuff to yourself. Glad for you, but keep it to yourself. You will receive power. You hang out with Jesus, you'll pick up on passion for people, you'll start loving people like you haven't before. You, you, you'll pick up promptings. This is the time to open your mouth and say something. You'll have power to do it in a way that will effectively draw them toward a relationship with God. See, Jesus wants to make us fishers of people, and it's all about proximity, proximity to him. Here's a third point. It's all about preparation, all about preparation. Go, go back to Matthew chapter 4 one last time. I want you to see what James and John were doing when Jesus invited them to become fishers of people. Look at the middle of verse 21. James and John were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Okay, preparing their nets. Now, their nets, back in the day, their nets would have been about 100 feet long. So imagine these nets wet with water, trying to pull them in and out of the boat. And when you, you finally got your boat in at the end of the evening of fishing, you had a lot of work to do with those nets. I mean, the, the cleanup involved, first of all, getting rid of all the debris, all the little bits of seaweed and fish guts and, you know, rocks and stones that the nets pulled in. You had to clear all that away, and then you had to wash down the nets 
And there, there was no garden hose nearby with a faucet, okay? This was rigorous work. And when you were done, you had to spread out these nets so the next day when the sun came out, it could bake them dry. And once they were dry, then you had to fold them all up into bundles and you had to carry every bundle into your boat. There was a lot of work that went into preparing your net. You couldn't be a fisher of fish unless you were willing to prepare your net. Now, there's a parallel here to fishing for people. You know, I hope by this point in the sermon you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'd really love to be one of those fishers of people. I'd love to live so close in such proximity to Jesus that a love for people overwhelms me and I start opening my mouth and talking about it. So, you know, you, you want to do this, but the key is preparation. Because if you're not willing to, to prepare to do it well, prepare your net, you'll never catch people. So let me tell you what we do at Christ Community Church to help you prepare your net. Three main things we do, and I'll tell you, give you a couple of examples of each. This is really extremely practical right now. In fact, I would encourage you, what I'm about to say, if something strikes you, like I think that could help me become a better fisher of people, just write it down. Right? Write this down. So three main categories. The first I'll call evangelism training. So this is training for how to catch people. Okay, if you're saying, well, I, I wouldn't have a clue as to how to do that. Exactly, which is why we have a three-hour training class that we offer several times a year, uh, typically on a Saturday morning. It's called Everyday Evangelism. And it's taught by people who are phenomenal uh, fishers of people who love to do it, whose enthusiasm is contagious. Now, the good news is if you're listening at a regional campus right now, there's a, an evangelism, everyday evangelism training course coming up soon. If you're in St. Charles, you just missed it. It was yesterday, okay? But as you're waiting for the next one to come around, you could get training in another way. You could get training in your community group. So here, here's how it works. Okay, every community group has a study guide they're going through. It's a portion of the Bible or some topic they're studying. And they typically change out every eight weeks, ten weeks or so. So the next time you have an opportunity to choose a new topic of study, say, hey, let's choose evangelism. Because we've got some great study guides that community groups could use to cover this topic and train you to fish for people. So bring this back to your community group. Say, hey, next time around, can we do one of those fishing for people, one of those evangelism study guides? Training. You won't do it well without training. Okay, second, we provide you with uh, event invitations. Event invi we're regularly throwing big events here, outreach events, we call them, where, where you could bring a friend to hear the good news about Jesus presented in a clear and a cogent way. But the operative phrase there is, you can bring a friend. So are you going to bring a friend? Because it doesn't work if you don't bring a friend. So this inspiring stories that we have coming up two weeks from now. I know it's going to be good. I've been reading Rebecca Gregory's autobiography about two-thirds of the way through. It is an amazing story. Okay, are you going to have a friend with you who needs hope in their life? This is what we've been saying, inspiring stories, because we need, know a lot of people who need hope. They're going through tough times, medical problems, uh, relational problems, uh, you know, school problems, health problems. Who do you know that needs hope? That, that's what this particular Inspiring Stories is designed for. And as you've already been told, you could bring a friend on Saturday night if they're, I'm not into church, I don't want to go to a church worship service. Well, bring them on Saturday. It's an event. It's not a worship service on Saturday night. 
Now, if you think they're ready for a church worship service like the one you're, you're sitting in right now, then bring them on Sunday for the interview on Sunday with Rebecca. We have provided you with creatively produced, colorful invitations, and they're available. As you leave each of our four auditoriums today, at the door, you're going to be able to grab hold of some invitations to pass on to friends. Saturday or Sunday invitations. Will you use them? Will you bring somebody? It's how you fish for people. And we not only do it for special events, we do it for some of our ministries that we think are really attractive. For example, Kids World. I have often sat in a coffee shop or restaurant or park watching parents with their kids thinking to myself, I'd just like to go up and say, you know, you got really good, good-looking kids there. And I, if you've ever thought about teaching them about God, I know a church that's got an amazing program for kids. And so, so about two months ago, I asked our children's ministry uh, folks, I said, could you put together an invite for Kids World that we could use? I will use them. So they've printed them out. I've already used my first one. This last week, I was at my favorite taco joint, and the uh, cashier there, she's checking me out, and she's telling me how she's uh, pregnant with her third child. She's got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And I said, nine and six, that's a perfect age to learn about God. Whip out my Kids World invitation. You know, by the way, she said to me, she goes, well, I don't live in St. Charles. I live in Aurora. I said, well, we got a campus in Aurora. You know, you're not getting away from me, fish. <laughs> All right. It's that easy, friends. It's that easy. So you could pick up Kids World invitations. Have you thought about this? You're going to have how many little gremlins coming to your door in another week trick-or-treating? right? Have you thought about dropping a Kids World invitation into their back with a big Hershey bar? Don't you dare put in an invitation without a candy, okay? So, but invitations, event invitations, third category. We got training for you to help you fish for people. We got event invitations to help you fish for people. We, we've got gospel information. That's the third category. What do I mean? Well, you're in a conversation with a friend and you really want to tell them about Jesus, what do you say? Do you know what the basics are? Do you know a few Bible verses? Some of you are saying, I could never do that. I, would, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, this is why we put together a little God's Good News booklet a few years ago and encourage you to pick them up. Anytime you think of it, pick up a stack at the information counter at your camp campus. It covers who Jesus is, why he came to earth, what he accomplished, how to begin a relationship with him, how to surrender your life, what surrendering to Jesus, what it means. There's even a little surrender prayer at the end of this booklet. I got a good friend here who told me a week or two ago, he said, I was uh, driving with an Uber driver and we got into a conversation about God, but it was a short ride, so we didn't get very far. But fortunately, I had a God's Good News booklet with me and I gave it to him. And then he looked at me, my friend did, and he said, what Christ follower wouldn't give away these God's Good News booklets to everybody? It's so easy. I thought to myself, you're absolutely right, bro. It's so easy easy. I've given away God's good news booklet. I've given, given, given them away to repair people who come, you know, into my house. I've given them to my dry cleaner, to the person next to me on the plane, to a friend over coffee. It's so easy to do. Why wouldn't you do it if you're a Christ follower? Why wouldn't you do it? Okay, this, this is the information they need that could change their life in the here and now and change their eternal destiny. One last tool I'll mention, and then we're going to close in a very special way today. The last tool is one you already know about. We call it our Next Steps Packet. 
And you know about it because occasionally here at the end of a service, we'll invite people to respond and put their trust in Christ, to surrender their lives to him. And then after we close in prayer, I'll say something like, hey, if you just made that decision, at the back of the zone where you're sitting right now, there's a table, and on the table is what we call a next steps packet. It's got a Bible. It's got some information that will teach you how to walk with Christ, and it's yours. It's free. So last weekend, I gave that invitation, and probably a dozen to 15 next steps packets walked out of the auditoriums, okay, with people who had surrendered their lives to Christ. Last year, we had over a thousand next steps packets over the course of the year walk out of our auditoriums in the hands of people who had just surrendered to Christ. So this is a, a key tool, but the reason I'm telling you about it is because I want you to be able to use it personally in your own conversations with people, not just at church. So, so if you're in conversation with a person, not somebody you brought to one of our services or outreach events, but you're talking at work or you're talking on soccer sidelines with a, another parent or you're talking in the high school cafeteria with a buddy and you're talking about Jesus and they say, I think I want this. And they're like, they're ready to go. They want to pray. They want to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's like, now what? What's next? Bring them a next steps packet. Anytime you want, any weekend you come to church, if you've just introduced somebody to Jesus, pick up a next steps packet and bring it to them. It's yours. It's our gift to you to use with them.